What's up? It's episode 44, Pain Points of Wealth, and we saw a market correction this past week, or a little bit of a sell-off, but the major indices now sit at all-time highs again as I'm recording this. But the question is out there, is the market topping out? Are we starting to see a peak? Is the market ready to crash? Is this sugar high that trillions of dollars that the government's created finally coming to an end? We're going to break it down for you. We're going to give you our view of the rest of the year when it comes to the economy, the stock market. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about a covered call strategy. You may have heard about this. Is this a strategy you should be thinking about with your portfolio to build wealth? We're going to break down what a covered call strategy is and our thoughts on it. Is it appropriate? Not appropriate? Along with, we've just created our own cryptocurrency, Bobcoin. You need Bobcoin in your portfolio. We're going to tell you why. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, we had a heck of a week. You know, we had a holiday shortened week with a 4th of July holiday on this past Monday. And, you know, the first half of the year, it felt like the market went up every single day. We actually had a down day this week. Of course, it recovered. We're at all-time record highs. Hey, the correction happened. If you blink, you missed it. I know. I love the word correction. It's such a great euphemism that Wall Street loves to use, right? It just sounds so neat and orderly. We had this correction. But we know the market short-term is always chaos. And it's been pretty chaotic. We've seen oil prices all over the place. We've got China basically locking down their companies, strong arming them, just like crazy stuff going on right now. But, you know, I think the bigger question is, is the party over, guys? Are we finally seeing peak equity prices? Are we going to see a massive sell off or a crash? What's going on here? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, this past weekend over the 4th of July weekend, I sailed my catamaran up and around the Statue of Liberty and the entire journey on the way up, we were faced with headwinds. You know, just because we had headwinds didn't mean we just turn around and headed back. You know, you tack around it. You know, you find a way to get to your destination. You know, that's why it's so important to have a financial plan so you can have a roadmap so you can get around these chaotic or corrective times to use your term, Ryan. Chris, I can't tell you how many times Ryan called me this weekend saying he was concerned about you know, your trip up to Manhattan because gas prices were going up so high. He was worried that your sailboat would have a hard time buying gas. Well, first off, Chris, that was a beautiful metaphor with your sailboat. So nice. Like wonderful commercial for financial planning. Number two, while you were there, you know, slaving away, you're sweating, getting that boat in the water and doing all the things you have to do to get that boat ready. Bob and I were just sitting on his deck, hanging out in the sunshine, wondering why you're doing all that work sailing when you can just relax with Bob and I. We don't get it. Well, you know what, that's since I can't put gas in my sail, but it doesn't have an engine. You know, I do have to put that sweat equity in to make the boat go forward. So yeah, while you guys are relaxing, I'm out there doing the hard work as usual. Well, that's the thing. When it comes to the market, you have all these headwinds, all these concerns, but they're not certainties, right? Yeah, the government's printing money. Yes, there's cyber attacks. Yes, there's a COVID variant out there. There's all things you can have to worry about for the financial propaganda channels, you know, to get us to, you know, wring our hands and fret and worry. But the fact of the matter is the market's smarter than everyone. I'll tell you who they're especially smarter than. Wall Street. Well, I mean, it is kind of crazy. If you look at Wall Street strategists, average prediction for where the S&P 500 will be at the end of the year, it's 4,200. 
Well, the market's at 4,300 now. So they've been completely wrong here. And I think it's half of our show is always making fun of Wall Street for being so wrong. So what do they do now since they're already below where the S&P is today? Do they revise their targets? Do they quit their job? What do they do? Well, what they do, Rai, is either apply for the job as the weather person on television because both Wall Street strategists and weather people have the same deal, right? They're often wrong. They're never in doubt. They're never held accountable to being wrong. They just say, oh, well, I'm not wrong. I'm just early or, hey, I'll just try harder next time. But meanwhile, we got the market has been ramping. The first half of the year was spectacular. Well, the proofs in the pudding, boys, for five months in a row, the S&P 500 has been up. It not only has been up, but it's been up 5% each consecutive month. And what's like remarkable about that statistic, the last time that happened was 1956. So that kind of momentum is unbelievable. But if you look at it historically as well in 1956, the market ended up going up another 25% from those levels. So I think the narrative here is completely wrong, right? It's not like, are we worried about a crash here? What I would worry about is, are we going to see just this massive melt-up in the stock market And nobody's talking about it except for us on our podcast because we're awesome. And it's not just the fact that the market's been up the first half of the year, but when it comes to the U.S. market, strength begets strength. Typically, when you have an up first half, you have an up second half. Now, another thing that I've been observing is the S&P 500 hasn't dropped below its 200-day moving average even one day. Now, I went back and studied this, guys. Whenever the market stays ahead of its 200-day moving average for the year, you're up 88% of the time. So it seems like everything is on the bull side. And if you're a bear and if you're not long right now, I'd have to say you're really wrong. Well, Dad, I'll give you a real world example of that. I recently met with a very good client of mine and I would say reluctantly told me that they recently pulled a portion of their portfolio out of the market because of fear. You know, they're afraid of what's going to happen politically in our country with inflation. And I went through their projection with them and I showed them what, what happens if they stay in cash or they try to time the market. And the bottom line is their goal of wanting to retire at 65 now becomes a goal of retiring at age 90. See, Chris, that points to me the biggest problem of do-it-yourself investors, right? You manage the bulk of their money. Unfortunately, you can't manage their 401k because they're still working. And they had control over that, were able to go behind your back, not take your advice, and ended up hurting themselves. And that's the problem. It feels so good to make these moves because of fear of some uncertainty, but it usually comes back to bite you in and you know what. Well, the other thing to think about too is, I know how to finish that sentence, Bob, but I'm not going to do it because it's a PG podcast. But you know, that's not the only client or potential client I've talked to recently that's been sitting in cash since March last year. And I think that also just shines a light on how many investors have to get back in the market. And another reason for a melt-up here is just because there's still so much cash out there. And as we've learned this year, a lot of that cash is finding itself back into stocks. I mean, that's the reason why you're seeing a lot of the speculative positions like AMC, you know, the movie theater chain that's basically bankrupt, but that's been going shot to the moon because investors just have so much money to speculate right now. That trend's not over. So there's going to be a lot more money getting into this market. So if you're sitting there trying to play defense right now, well, you're going to feel that pain, no pun intended, as more money just keeps going in the market. It keeps going higher. And that's what forces everybody in. And that's what causes that melt up. And you take into account, right, that the fact the bond market this week did go up, right? That means Billions of dollars went into the 10-year treasury at a 1.3%. Now, call me crazy, but net of inflation, that's a negative return. I don't know, guys, if you see me putting all of my money into an investment that's guaranteed to lose money over the next 10 years, please put me in a home. I'm getting the car ready, Chris. 
We're putting Bob away. <laughs> you know, with a treasury yield at 1.3%, it shows that, you know, dividend yields, which are over 2% in a lot of U.S. stocks, are very attractive. But, you know, there's other places to be than in Apple, Amazon, no dividend paying stocks, or even dividend paying stocks in the U.S. It looks pretty good around the world right now. Well, that's the other thing, too. Like this, we had Biden come out and saying he's going after big tech. We're seeing all these antitrust suits against big tech, not to mention the valuation or how high the prices are on a lot of these big tech stocks. And remember, if you own the S&P 500, that's 22% in five companies. You know, you have Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. That's not diversification. And the headwinds are there. They're real. And to your point, Bob, we talked about this last week on the podcast, Europe looks freaking awesome right now. I never thought I would say that, but you start looking at vaccination rates going up, dividend yields, the stocks are cheaper. There's so many reasons why you need to, quote unquote, diversify your money right now. Well, let's make that a little bit more real, Ry. When you say they're cheaper, you know, if you think about the S&P 500 right now, it trades at 20 and a half times its forward earnings. Let's take Europe, on the other hand, it only trades at 16 and a half times its forward earnings. So I would say that's a huge discount. I don't know about you guys, but I certainly love to buy stuff at a discount. You know, buy low, sell high. That's the name of the game. Yeah, you know, when it comes to Europe and Japan, the rest of the world, they usually do lag the U.S. because we do happen to be the greatest economy in the world, the greatest country in the world. But I digress. When you look at Europe, yeah, they're catching up now with their vaccinations. Even though their vaccine is not as good as ours, they are catching up. And so as you look at what happened as our economy reopened, our stock market was booming and it's still booming while the rest of the world's reopening. Matter of fact, by the end of this year, by the end of the fourth quarter, Bob Payne predicts we're going to have the biggest global boom in economic history. Uh Oh, right. I think that's becoming a Wall Street strategist. Well, hopefully our Wall Street strategist, Bob Payne, is actually right about what's going to transpire. But no, absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing. If you're sitting in cash right now, you're trying to play catch up. Well, Europe is playing catch up. So it's just another reason why if you're going to get invested right now, and this is the way we invest our clients' money, you don't want to just own the S&P 500 because it's a tech fund and drag. You want to own a global portfolio because the global economy is going to boom. And if you look at it historically, our international does just as well as the US markets over different time periods. So you haven't missed the boat here. It's like the old Wayne Gretzky quote, you got to skate to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck has already been. And it's going to be in those global markets. And that's why you've got to reposition your portfolio or if you're getting invested for the first time. Yeah, and as economies reopen, it really favors the cyclicality of the economy, right? Cyclical stocks tend to do better when you have an economy that's growing rapidly and expanding like it is here and it is in Europe and the rest of the world. So when you look at Europe, you look at Japan, you look at other places than the US, they're overweighted in what we call value stocks. They're overweighted in cyclicals, things like industrials, financials, materials, commodities. So not only are they cheap relative to what's available in our market, but they're also going to benefit from the reopening because they're heavier weighted in more cyclical parts of the economy. Yeah, not only that, Dad, but also if you look at European stocks and how they pay dividend payouts, they actually favor paying out more dividends than share buybacks. And as a matter of fact, the annual compound rate is going to be closer to 11% versus in the U.S. where it's only 8 So, you know, let's just kind of sum it up here. You know, the first half of the year was spectacular. And typically, history dictates that the second half will follow suit. So let's all root for history repeating itself. But just in case it doesn't, let's not have a portfolio that's based on anticipation, you know, trying to predict things that can't be predicted or known. Matter of fact, guys, we talk about the economy, we talk about the government, we talk about the Fed. This is all noise, right? If we look in hindsight over the last two years, the one event that had the biggest impact on us, on the economy, on the markets 
was a little virus called COVID that caused a pandemic that wasn't predicted, that wasn't known. That was a black swan event. It's time for the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And guys, we actually got a listener question. So I thought it was a really good question. I thought we could actually discuss it here on the air today or through the airwaves or wherever you're listening to this, digitally, whatever. But anyway, the question comes in, Ryan, I listen to your podcast every week, as you should, and appreciate the way your team keeps me grounded. Well, that's what we do. I was wondering what your thoughts are on a covered call strategy. I generally stay away from Reddit, which is a good idea. But my son sent this to me, and I wonder why I never hear professional investors talk about such strategies. I really appreciate your thoughts on this. And guys, we actually used to use a covered call strategy, but maybe we should explain what that is for our listeners here. Well, first of all, there's two components to a coverage call strategy. You buy the stock. Everybody knows how to buy a stock, right? You can buy 100 shares of stock, 1,000 shares of any stock that's publicly traded. And there's another way to invest in that same stock. That's called an option. Now, an option is a very speculative way to invest because it has a finite period of time to where it exists. So if you think about casino gambling, the stock is the house, it's the casino, and the option is the better. Now, when it comes to the stock market and investing, who do you guys want to be? Do you want to be the casino or do you want to be the gambler? Yeah, based on those multi-million dollar casinos that they built down in Atlantic City, I'm going to say that as well. Well, that's right. So basically, what you're doing is you have this contract, you're giving someone the right to buy your stock at a certain price, higher than where you bought it, ideally, and you keep getting these income payments. They pay you a premium. So not only do you get the dividend on the stock, but you're getting this premium on top of that, which ideally every quarter or so, you keep getting extra income, which sounds really sexy. You're getting all this income on your stock. Like it's a no brainer. Why wouldn't everybody do this? I know it's even better than that, Rye. When you think about the gambler at Atlantic City, 80, 90% of the time they lose all of their money, right? And most people who buy call options lose all their money. Of course, that is until they don't. And that means when they don't lose money, it means the market made a gigantic move. And that's the problem with the strategy. When the market moves big, like it had this hat last year, you end up having to sell out of the market and you don't get all of the return you deserve. Well, that's exactly right. Because the one thing we never talk about when it comes to the stock market is the stock market's boring. It does nothing for years and years. And then all of a sudden you get these huge moves up once in a while that no one predicts ahead of time. To your point last year, no one predicted coming out of the pandemic all of a sudden, we're going to have this major move upwards. And if you miss that move up because you were called out of your position because you're in a contract with another investor to buy your stock, and then you miss all that upside, well, you've missed all your return in the stock market. Who cares if you got those income payments every month? Who cares if you got that extra income payment every quarter from writing the call? Missing that upside is a much bigger deal than getting those little income payments every quarter. And most investors don't realize that. But not to mention that if you hold these stocks in your taxable account, you've now generated a capital gain. So you're going to owe taxes, which will by far reduce your return. And options, no matter how long you hold them, are taxes ordinary income, even if you had it for over a year. So again, it's really not a great strategy in terms of wealth creation. Now, it sounds good, but that's the problem. We all have this issue with paying the actual price that it takes to get the return that the market offers. So, if, you know, you think about the stock market, guys. It's the greatest wealth creator in the history of mankind. Why aren't we all 100% long the equity market? Because we don't want to pay the price. The price is volatility. It's scary. And that's why Wall Street comes up with these strategies showing you a way to get, oh, I can get the return without any added risk. Well, the risk is huge when you're out of the market 
especially now when you're in a big booming bull market. Yeah, and the big picture is just that, right? If you look at over the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and we've seen all the stats on this, if you miss just the best 15 days in the market over those time frames, you basically miss all your return. Think about that, 15 days taken out. If you miss any one of those days, that's it. You've missed all the return. You can't afford that bet. You know, you can't afford to think you're going to be that smart. It's just about, we always say it, but time in the market, not timing the market. And that's why that covered call strategy just doesn't work because it's limiting the most important time to be in the market when it's going up big because it only happens once in a while. So you just can't afford to miss it. It's actually that simple. But you know what, guys? I want to talk about something a little more important today. So when Chris was sailing this weekend around the Statue of Liberty on his catamaran, which you got second place. Congratulations, Chris, on your race. That's a big deal. We're all proud of you. Way to go, Chris. <laughs> Pretty cool. As Bob and I just sat on Bob's back deck while it was, the sun was shining, just being, you know, lazy. <laughs> Bob and I came up with a brilliant idea. We needed to come out with our own cryptocurrency. And we want to talk to our listeners today about our new invention, Bobcoin. Absolutely right, Rye. I'm so tired of sitting there with a green eye being jealous of all these cryptocurrencies. I figured, well, how hard could it be? Well, first of all, I came up with a tremendous name, Bobcoin. I think they'll sell like hotcakes. And Chris, you know, you've always been the computer expert in our family. So all I need you to do is write that algorithm. Now, you know, that we'll put on our computer and we'll just start mining. Now, we have three computers today, right? You have mine, Rye, you have yours. So Chris will get us our algorithm. We'll start mining Bitcoin or, you know, not what we're going to call Bobcoin, you know, on our computers. And I make a promise to everybody. I'll only create a limited amount so that it'll have that unique valuation where it's always going to be going up in value because I only created a couple of them out of thin air. You know what, Bob? I can just see how we're just going to completely undermine the entire banking system. I think the central bank's going to give up control of money supply because everyone's just going to want Bobcoin. And, you know, what's going to make it even more special is each coin is going to have a different picture of Bob's hair, you know, in a different position. So it's even more unique than Bitcoin, where all the Bitcoins look the same. Every Bob coin is going to look a little bit different, which obviously that only makes it more scarce and more valuable. Well, you know, boys, I did hear a statistic recently that people with full heads of hair are tend to be more trustworthy and more confident. So if you can't trust in Bob Coin with his hair on the picture, I don't know what you can trust. And for all you naysayers out there who say, well, wait a minute, what is this Bob Coin? I'll just tell you the same thing. I'll use the same euphemism they use on CNBC. Well, it's a store of value. It's a hedge against becoming wealthy. You know, it's really a bad idea, guys. So we're not going to do it. And guys, you know, the number one reason we're not going to do it, I'm afraid this thing may end up becoming a dog and dog coins already taken. So let's just forget the whole idea. Let's just keep investing like we have for the last 50 years. Keep creating wealth, maintaining wealth. That's I think that's the strategy. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast with some due diligence of your own can help you get ahead, financially speaking, at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $500,000 for retirement, myself, Bob, and Chris will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 44, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content, click on that like button, subscribe to our channel. If this is on YouTube, you can click that little notification bell to be notified of every single new podcast coming out every single week. And don't be shy, share our podcast with someone else who can benefit from our insights in the financial world. 
All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, the S&P 500 averages a whopping 21.8% in a newly elected Democrat's inaugural year. If the past few weeks are any indication, it's playing out perfectly again this year. Yeah, believe it or not, Rye, the first year in a presidential cycle under a Democratic presidency typically has at least a 20% return. Now, you wouldn't think that because of what the administration's been proposing. Higher taxes, right? More estate taxes, reducing wealth. And you would think that would be counterintuitive to investing in the stock market. Turns out it's not the case. If that's the case, we have another 10% plus to go. Again, market melt-up, it's coming. You heard it here first. Chris, Porsche's main asset, Volkswagen, has set its sights on becoming the world's number one electric vehicle maker by 2025, surpassing market leader Tesla. Never count out those Germans. Well, all I can say, guys, is that I think Tesla's going to have a real hard time maintaining those 140 years worth of profits built into its stock price with Volkswagen hot on the teals. That's true. There's no monopoly on electric vehicles, no matter what Elon Musk would tell you. All right, Bob, 70% of betting revenue these days comes from in-play wagers, sometimes known as proposition bets or micro bets. For example, will a player hit a home run and is next at bat? You can bet on literally anything now. That's amazing, Ryan. Over my lifetime, the biggest conundrum in my life has been how a fool and their money got together in the first place. And when I see them making these ridiculous gambling bets, why don't they just figure it out? Buy the companies that are publicly traded that are taking those bets and keep the money in their pocket. You know, those stocks are going through the roof. They're not going up because these gamblers are winning on these weekly bets. Fair point. Like every gambling stock is since the pandemic has just been rocking and rolling. So be the owner of the company. Don't be the gambler. I like it, Bob. Good message there. Chris, the average Robinhood customer had about 5000 in an account as of February. That is a far cry from brokerages like Schwab, where the average household has over $320,000 invested. Cryptocurrency trading is the, in the first quarter accounted for 17% of Robinhood's revenue, up from 3% in 2020, and where more than a third of that revenue came from trading doggy coin. Well, it sounds like Robinhood is less like online investing and more like online poker playing. Well, I think more importantly here, once we get Bobcoin off the ground, I can't imagine that those Robinhood traders aren't going to be like literally just trading it like it's going out of style. So I think our business model is coming to fruition here, gentlemen. Just promise me, guys, that it won't be a dog. <laughs> On that note, another great show today. If you like our podcast, you love our podcast, please don't be shy. Subscribe to our channel. We've doubled our listenership. Thank you for your support. And as always, stay loose keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,